How's it going, Bearcats fans? Welcome back to the show. It's been a minute. We missed you. Sorry about that. It's been since before the American Conference Championship we got to you, and we got a lot to cover here. Um, we're not so much going to talk about the American Athletic Conference Championship. We'll talk about that a little bit, but mostly going to be talking about the Peach Bowl and a little bit of basketball. I'm Sean McMahon, as always, joined by Alex Frank. So, Alex... The Brent Spence Bridge opened since the last time we were... That is true. That did happen. That did indeed happen. Thank goodness. Yeah. I don't know if I trust that bridge very much. I've driven over it twice, but... Since it's opened? Well, since that fire, really. I mean, I don't know that I ever really trusted it, but especially after a chemical fire. Not exactly a, you know, a good thing to happen to the bridge. I don't trust that thing's structural integrity to begin with. And then throw a chemical fire on it. I don't know how how weak the, the steel is on that thing. I don't know. Then again, I don't know what chemicals there were. But part right. being, I don't trust it. So anyway, um, Alex and Zach and I were on call for the American Athletic Conference Championship game. Alex had play-by-play as well as Zach, um, and then I had the pregame. You got on ESPN. Game. I did get on ESPN was along with my brother. That was pretty nice. Um, I nice. knew he was going to because he was the only one in the stadium with a sign. Or at least on the right side of the stadium that had a sign. Wasn't it nice to actually sit in the stands for a football game? Oh, it was nice to just have people there. That's the, I mean, really, it was. Because, you know, I, I say this when we were at the game, or I said this when we were at the game, that they had allowed, what was it? Was it 5,000 or close to? It was around 57, 6, 7, 800 that we'll call were it, allowed at the game. Yeah, we'll call it like 56. There were like 5,600 people at the game, but let me tell you, it felt a lot more than that. It, it definitely felt louder. Um, it looked like it was more, but, you know, it was a fun game. I, mean, I had a good time, obviously, so did the Bearcats. I mean, well, for most of the game, not really, but towards the end they did. Um, and just one heck of a win, Fickle finally getting what he wanted. He got a championship. Um, so he's got that secured, and of course that meant that the Bearcats went to take on Georgia in the Peach Bowl, which is where we're going to get to right now. Ugh. So, well, Alex, I'm just going to, let me just get your thoughts. Was it a sloppy game for the Bearcats? Was it a solid game for the Bearcats? Because I'm going to go on a rant after you give me your, your quick oh, little Lord. opinion. Oh, Lord. i, I got to set the stage for that. Um... I think to answer your question, it was sloppy in the second half because the first half, I thought Cincinnati did a really solid job of moving the ball down the field. Their run game was not very solid in the first half, but that's where Desmond Ritter came in. I liked how he targeted his two best receivers, Alec Pierce and Josh Wiley, but he also got Jay Sean Jackson involved, Michael Young Jr. As well. Even yeah. Jerome Ford out of the backfield, and he had a, he had some big shoes to fill Jerome Ford. He had an expanded role to take on in the game because mm-hmm. Jared Dokes I forget why did he miss the game was it he had uh, he had uh, it was an injury of some kind I don't because exactly he, remember what it he was he also missed the second half of the AAC championship game which I did not realize that I didn't realize that I, either I was so caught up in the tension of that game I did yeah. not realize that so Jerome Ford had to take on an expanded role he had Ryan Montgomery's help um to kind of you know take some load off him at times but I'll tell Did you a little bit of rest yeah but um, so the first half was was very solid. I thought Desmond Ritter looked like how he looked in that stretch, really from week, really from game four through the AAC championship, which was yeah. a six game stretch. I thought Desmond Ritter looked, for the most part, like how he looked in those in that six game stretch in the first half. Yeah. So 
So it's 14 to 10 at the half. You're feeling really good. I'm feeling really good in that, in that situation. I was feeling scared, actually. I'm not going to lie. You're only up four. Well, yeah, I, f- I felt good. Don't yeah, get me wrong. I thought, we were, I thought UC was honestly going to lose badly in this game. Yeah. Because Really? It's Georgia. And? They're not that good this year. I'm so, okay, and this is the thing. A lot Georgia of opt-outs. Had, yes, but you know, who's, you know who's waiting right behind those players who opted out? More four- and five-star recruits. Who could start on any other team besides maybe a handful of them? And you're up 14 to 10 with all the mistakes that Cincinnati made in that first half. You think about the mistakes that Cincinnati made. Cole Smith had a, had a missed a field goal that was blocked. It was blocked mm-hmm. by uh, Andre, that. Andre Davis, number 99. Do I have my notes in here? I don't think I do. Okay, whatever. Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, I, I wrote a whole bunch of them. I can probably remember them. Um, there was the missed field goal. There were, uh, I know James Hudson had a holding penalty. He also had an egregious targeting penalty, which yeah. really came back to bite the Bearcats in the second half. More on that and if, as we go on. There was, what, what other mistakes did you see making that game? There was um, the, the interest. Third and two. Third and two. Which, which third and two? There was a lot of third and twos. Oh, come on. You know exactly which third and two. I, I'm, I'm talking not talking about. about the second half, though. Oh, I'm talking. Mean, okay. I'm talking right. about. I'm talking about the first half right now. So the first half. Uh, the forced fumble was that the second half? I think that was the second half. There was also the interception by Kobe Bryant. That was incredible. The, it, it was a great play, but the problem was they didn't do anything. The with problem it. was he fumbles it, and Ty Van Fossen's knee just barely touched the ground at the one yard line as he recovered. Mm-hmm. If he if he if he recovers it standing up and then goes into the end zone, it's a touchback. And then your play calling becomes a little bit more different than what it ultimately was. But in spite of all the mistakes the Bearcats made, they were still leading 14 to 10 at the half. And I'm feeling really good. And then all of a sudden, Jerome Ford busts 179 yards. And I'm thinking, man, we just came out and we threw the first punch in the second half and we're already up four. Now we're up 11. I mean, this is great. And then on the next possession, we get the fumble. Jarrell White forces a fumble. Ethan Tucky recovers. Next possession, we stop Georgia on fourth and one. Arquan Bush with a great hit on Georgia's Georgia's running back, number 10, which they have have 5,000 running backs, it felt like. I think Brian Cook had a huge hit on on, uh, their tight end, that massive Yeah, John Fitzpatrick. Yeah, that dude's huge. Brian Cook had a really nice game. Yeah, he had a great game. In place of James Wiggins. We can look at the stats. That was uh, another quick thing, was that you were missing two All-Americans. You were missing Ahmad Gardner, who had back uh, spasms, and which, you were missing James Wiggins. Which, of course, Georgia and... Who's their offensive coordinator? I forget who he yeah, is. I couldn't tell you. Well, and, well, also, and Jake Renfro, too, and Jared Davis. Yes. So then Georgia was like, well, hell, we're going to go... We're going to, you know, we're going to take some deep shots, and they did. Um, yes, UC did not do well against them. That's another thing too. There was an there was a pass interference on Arquan Bush. That was that the was that the interception that yes, got called back. Yes, it was back? Cook's interception that got called back. I would question if that was really pass interference. I think it was actually. That so anyway, so despite that, despite three offsides by MyJ Sanders, you led the practically the whole game. Yeah. Now the second half was very sloppy. The run game was dormant. Desmond Ritter was under duress the entire second half, and. After Jerome Forrest touchdown, the Bearcats managed just a handful of first downs. Yeah. It was... Um, Handfuls, yeah. Yeah, and that's... That, literally, it was maybe... 
I didn't watch the end of the game. Maybe a good thing I didn't, again. But they struggled. I mean, they were in so many third and longs. But how many times, when they had third and short, did they get a full start? Yeah, uh, courtesy of Lorenz Metz. Yes. And Lorenz Metz, look, for a guy as big as he is, you would think, well, shouldn't he be able to block? That was exactly my reasoning before he became a starter. He's 6'9", over 300 pounds. I'm like... I feel like this dude would be a really good offensive lineman. Then he but, became a starter. And but we like, know that he's not a starter in offense. He's starting offensive lineman material in this league. For a reason. Exactly. For reasons. And that's the reason why we got that transfer from Stony Brook. Yeah. Who's going to hopefully start. I think he'll be good. And even though Darius Harper is now going to the NFL draft, our starting right tackle this past year, I certainly hope Lorenz Mess does not start. Well, I mean, he was a left tackle, though. Started left, then moved to right. Well, but then he played left in place of Hudson. In the Which, I don't know why they did that, but okay. Yeah, I really, I really, why did you pick Lorenz Metz of all the, of all the offensive exactly. line? Why? Of all people. I mean, but, Lorenz Metz probably had like three or four false start penalties. Yes, but to answer your question, was it a sloppy game in the second half? Yes. Because the offense couldn't basically do anything. You know why? They didn't run the ball. And no, they didn't run the ball. You know what else didn't help? The fact that Desmond Ritter couldn't get out of the pocket. He couldn't really scramble all that much. He he doesn't he wasn't able to do what he normally does because the defensive line for Georgia, the pass rushers and whatnot, they were too good. They 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 were too good at covering the entire field. Yeah, and Desmond Ritter couldn't escape and do his thing. I think if you had a little bit more of that, if you gave Desmond Ritter just even a a second more time, you know, blocked better. He could have gotten downfield a little bit more, and it, it would have helped out. But, yeah. But in spite of all the mistakes, I mean, Ritter didn't have a bad game. 24 of 37 no, no, for 206 no, no, no. and two touchdowns. Now, a lot of those stats were accumulated in the first half. Um, Jerome Ford had I'm, – I'm going through the rushing totals right now. So, Ritter has 15. Ritter had 15. Great! Except when you only get 32 gained – 49 loss. Now, a lot of those loss yards could could have come on sacks. Jerome he got Ford sacked has, a few times. Yeah, he did. Jerome Ford had 8 for 98. Um, they held Georgia to 71 rushing yards. The only problem was JT Daniels was really, really good. Mm. 26 of 38 for 392 and a touchdown. And an interception. Yes. Which Desmond Ritter threw none of, which is good. It is a good thing. What the only thing that I think the I think you see I think we only had two what was it two turn turn two fumbles, was it two fumbles? Ritter had a fumble. Yep. And there was another one at a different point. I can't remember who that was. We go to the team stats turnovers. It was a hundred percent on 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 offense. It wasn't like special teams or something. I'm going through. Um, I don't remember what the turnover even was. I can't even fumbles remember. fumbles lost. We had four fumbles, lost one. Oh, we only lost the one. Georgia had three. Wait, lost, really? I thought we lost two. Lost because one. No? What, what other fumble were you? Maybe, maybe it was an offensive fumble by Georgia, and we just didn't pick it up. Georgia? Because someone's... I, I specifically remember one point in the game. The ball was on the ground. And somehow, a UC player, don't remember who it was, just managed to completely miss the ball. Tried to pick it up and run with it instead of just fall on it. And somehow Georgia recovered it. 
I, I, I really, Sorry, I, I really don't remember who it was. I guess we, we had to be on defense then if we only gave up one turnover. I, um, I'm trying to remember which one that was because I'm remembering. I, I, I'm, I keep thinking about like the sequence of stops that the Bearcats defense had because Georgia they threatened. Numerous times in the fourth quarter, and for the longest time, the Bearcats' defense held serve. And if if Cincinnati had, was able to, if they were just able to get one more first down, mm-hmm. they would have won the game. They would have, yeah. Now, did they deserve to win the game? I don't think. I don't necessarily think so. But did they deserve to be on the same field as Georgia? Absolutely. I think they absolutely deserve to yeah, win the okay, game. But yeah, but Georgia had more. They had 19 to 16 in first downs. They had 144 more yards of offense. They averaged almost. They averaged over two more yards per play than Cincinnati did. Their defense held us to 99 rushing yards, and we lived off of running the football during the reg, during the regular season. But we led them for most of the game. Yes, we led them for most of the game, but. And that does, and that does have some, and I guess you know to some degree that matters if you're talking about which team deserved to win the game more. But to me, it was UC got their first touchdown off a shank punt. Georgia scored. UC misses a field goal. Georgia goes up 10-7. Bearcats score yes before halftime. Jerome Ford has a long touchdown run, but Georgia was constantly knocking on the door, barking or excuse me, barking at the door. And eventually, they just bit. They they bit, and that's what ultimately you know they capitalized on their opportunities. And Cincinnati did not. I still disagree. Frankly, I don't think Georgia deserved it. I feel like I'm. I feel like I've been setting the stage too long for your for the for this rant that you've been telling me all week. You're going to. I mean, I was just looking for a quick summary, but whatever. Well, uh, uh, it took me a long time. But to answer your question, uh, it was sloppy in the second half, but. What was the other part of your question? Was it sloppy or was it? I feel like you asked me. Was two. it a solid game or was it? Was it was it a sloppy? solid game, but it was sloppy when it mattered most. I agree. Okay, so let, let's let's go over a few things really quickly, right? I'm going to refer back to some of the mistakes that were made. Specifically, I want to focus on a few things. Number one, James Hudson. How the hell? Do you be? How do you act so dumb as to even touch an opposing player out of bounds? Let alone target, you know, targeting. How do you even think that it's a good idea to even touch a guy out of bounds? It truly it baffles me. You're you're not helping. You're just acting selfish. You're being stupid. And it costs the team in more ways than just one. His lack of presence on the field was obviously a huge factor in the game. But also, we got penalty yards after that happened. And I think we got some pretty good yardage off that play. And James Hudson completely undid that work. And then got ejected like an idiot. Secondly... It was a. Don't mean to cut you off. It All was good. a. It was an. 
an 11 yard completion to Jerome Ford. A really nice play. Yeah, so we got good yardage off of it. So it's first and so it would have been first and goal. It would have been first and goal with 24 seconds left from yeah. the four yard line. Yeah, and you could have at least kicked a field goal. But oh, no. absolutely. But no. James Hudson decides that's not cool. So that was egregious. Let's go. But we did score a touchdown on that drive still. We did. But let's go to the forced fumble. By Georgia. Wait, uh, specifically. Ritter, Ritter drops back in the pocket. Let me let me see how much time was left at the time of this forced fumble. There was exactly, if this video would load, there was. Make it full screen. I think I don't, be able to I don't think that. I can. It's not letting me. Well, that's not good. Well, I can, I can, There's I, 14 minutes left in the. I can time stamp this from the uh, play-by-play. There was. 14 minutes left in the, this looks like the fourth quarter. It was the yeah, fourth, fourth quarter. quarter. 14, 14 minutes left in the fourth quarter. And yeah. Georgia went down the field and scored a touchdown there. You go back and you watch that play. The ball gets knocked out of Desmond Ritter's hands. And you think, son of a gun, it's on the ground. Get the freaking ball. Well, Ritter and who was it? Vinny, uh, Vinny McConnell. Vinny McConnell, number 77 on the offensive line. Both run over, both of them run over to the ball to dive on it. And I think Desmond Ritter like pretty much lands on top of it. Or McConnell, one of them. It was McConnell. But they missed it. It somehow got away and Georgia recovered it. How the heck are you at this level and you can't even properly dive on a football? But sometimes the ball... No, no, Okay. no. There are two of you. you. Yeah, yeah, but you can okay, but you can be coach and you can do you you can fall on a ball attempting to recover it the way you're coached to do it, and you and you still don't recover. Sometimes sometimes the ball just bounces weird ways. I still I see what you're saying. The ball was barely moving, and there are two of you, and you practically landed on top of it, and you couldn't recover the ball. That gave up a Georgia touchdown. That didn't help at all. Also, don't you think... I understand if you want a quarterback to go all out and try and recover a fumble, particularly one that he... Yeah, uh, not go Cam Newton fumbled. on but there is, But there is something about, you know, you don't want to get your quarterback hurt because he's trying to recover a fumble and you have 300-pound bodies landing on him trying to do the same thing. But there was no one around him. If he had just okay. if he had just gotten it, then no one would have landed on top of him. But even if no one's around him, like, other players are going to eventually pile on top of him. Mm, not in this play. They wouldn't have. In my opinion, they would not have. Okay, so maybe in that situation you do want your quarterback trying to recover. I don't care. Look, I don't care who it is. You, you get the friggin' ball. If our quarterback gets hurt, so be it. We have Ben Bryant. Which even, so it would have been fourth down had we recovered. Right. But, but, you, but, but then I, you put the ball in the hands of James Smith. Exactly. And then he punts it away, pins George deep, and maybe they don't even score. That's what maybe. you go for. That's what you would want. But, and then well, let's just go to the beginning of the third quarter. We'll go back. With the Jerome Ford touchdown. First of all, that was a great run. All credit oh, to Jerome Ford. No other running back, not Jared Dokes, not Michael Warren, would not have caught. You You shake your head at me, but you know Jared Dokes is faster 
than Michael Warren. Sure. You still think Michael Warren would have gotten to the end zone? I, I, you don't really know. I think he could have. No. No. If he ran the exact route that Jerome Ford ran, he would have Warren. gotten tackled four different times. Michael Warren was not a speedster. He didn't. You remember the UCF game last year? And he had that huge run? Yeah. He didn't make the end zone there. He got almost caught up by two different players. He had a clear shot to the end zone. He still didn't make it. Oh, You're going to tell me I'm... he would have made that Jerome Ford run? Absolutely not. Okay. Hard no. Continue. Jerome Ford is the fastest running back Cincinnati has seen in a long time. Anyway, that was a great run. And yes, the Bearcats struggled to get the run game going. And yes, they only had 90-some-odd yards for, for running, and of course, 79 of those came from that one play. <laughs> but nonetheless, I think that touchdown was a sign of we can still run the ball. Even if we're only getting a yard, if we're only getting two yards, I would rather have positive gain than no gain or negative gain. Or incomplete passes. That's no gain. And the clock stops. And the clock stops, exactly. That's another thing. <laughs> it's clock management, and it's it's keeping the defense on edge. So if, so if you want to start passing the ball, first of all, stop passing it to the flat. Apparently Desmond Ritter can't make those passes. And when he does, Georgia doesn't care. They just tackle the guy behind the line anyway, and we lose yardage. They were right those there. were stupid play calls. Yeah. Truly, I, I really don't understand those play calls. If you're going to do that, you might as well run. Set up a, a screen on first down or, or something. Run, or run Jay Sean over the middle or Michael Young on yeah. the, you know. If you're going to do short yardage plays, go over Wiley the middle. On a, Wiley on a crossing route. Something like that. Not not passes. Ugh. I don't get that play calling. I really don't. Josiah DeGuara is not here. You don't throw the ball like that and lose yards. It didn't work. You run the ball. I mean, come on. Unless you like, unless you play fake, then maybe throw it in. Maybe, fight. but there. But every time I'm thinking about it now that they try to throw it in the flat, it was just it was pipe, shut down. Shotgun, throw it in the flat, didn't fake it to a running back. No. It it didn't. It hardly worked at any at, for anything. But the next thing I want to move on to is Mike Denbrock. <laughs> now I know what everyone's thinking if you're listening to this podcast. If that if you're loyal, if you're a real smart Bearcats fan, you're either thinking, who the hell is Mike Denbrock? Or you're saying, man, I want that guy fired. I've been saying that for three years. <laughs> Ever since I was a freshman here. And I didn't know as much about football as I do now. But even then, I still knew Mike Denbrock, not the greatest offensive coordinator that we could have. No. He has made a lot of questionable play calls throughout his tenure in very, very key situations. The man hardly ever runs the ball under center, to be fair. That's it. That is modern football. Not many quarterbacks are under center under these days. But at the same time, there are situations where it really doesn't make sense. And specifically, I'm referring to the infamous third and two. There's just over a minute left, and for whatever reason, on two of the last plays, you snap the ball with 13 and 10 seconds, respectively. But is that on Denbrock or is that on Ritter? 
I guess that's on Ritter. All right. We'll put that on Ritter. But you snap the ball with that much time left. That's that's 23 seconds, Alex. That's 23 seconds. It's the difference. That is a lot of time when it comes down to the fourth quarter and especially the final minutes of the game. That's a lot of time. So why you wait until those times and not, you know, maybe two seconds to snap the ball? Hell, even if it was like three seconds, I mean, okay. But still, you don't wait. You snap the ball with 13 and 10, respectively. And then on that third down play, now, if someone wants to correct me, if it wasn't those two previous plays, but I'm pretty sure it was. There were, there were two previous plays on that drive. Right. I think it was, I think it was that drive where they, they snapped the ball with 13 and 10 seconds. And I believe they, I believe they were run plays. I believe. Because I'm pretty sure the clock was running. It was a Ritter run for seven, a Ford run for one. Georgia yep. calls a timeout, 147. Okay, so and the clock stopped after Nine-yard pass to LaBelle on second and 11. Actually, it was a Ford loss of one after the seven-yard run by Ritter. So then LaBelle catches a nine-yard pass to, that's set, right. to set up the third and two. There's 141 left. Right, that's right. So Bruno LaBelle somehow couldn't catch the ball and get enough speed to get past the first down. That's okay. It's third and two. And everyone in their right mind who knows anything about football is looking at the TV going, run the ball. I don't care how you do it, run the ball. And they don't do that. Mike Denbrock decides to get, get some trickery out of his sleeve. He decides to, sl to slip a wide receiver out behind the defense and pass the ball on third down. Granted, it almost worked, but almost isn't good enough. What would you be saying if it had worked? I'd be saying, Mike Denbrock, I still hate you. I think that's a stupid play call. If it worked, I'd be like, well, okay, thank God, but I disagree with that play call. But it didn't work. Clock stopped, and you could have run 40 flipping seconds off the clock. And I think there would have been about 50 seconds left on the clock had you just run the ball and punted it on fourth down with very limited amount of time. Now, here's the other question. Could you pull a Bill Belichick and take penalty yards to continue to drain time off the clock. No, because you were inside five minutes. Okay. I think that's the rule. That's I, At least that's the rule in the NFL. Okay. I don't know what the rule is in college, but I, I would imagine it's probably something similar I don't to think that. I don't think you could have done that. Okay, because I know Bill Belichick did that against the Jets, but I think there was more than five minutes Mike left. Mike Rabel did it against Bill Belichick. Remember yeah, that? Yeah. So, I don't know. I don't know how much time was left in that game. I don't. That, to that Patriots-Jets game. But anyway. So, you can't do that. But you could have snapped the ball with... Two seconds left, and the clock, you know, James Smith can kick it in the air and hold it up there for a good four seconds, three and a half seconds. And then, you know, you would assume Georgia's going to make a fair catch. You would assume. Or the punt goes out of bounds. Or the punt goes out of bounds. God forbid it would be a touchback. That wouldn't be such a bad thing, though. They would that maybe it. wouldn't be too bad. That would maybe be an extra second or two that it would be on the ground. So they were at, so we were at our own 40. Smith probably punts that to about the 20. 
probably close to the twenty. Probably gets a friendly bounce, maybe yeah. if, if the Georgia defend if the Georgia receiver doesn't catch it, maybe for whatever reason, if our gunners get down there quick enough or something. I don't know, but I just I really question it. And Luke Fickle in the post game interview um, was asked about that third and two and said, are you serious? It, really, you're going to ask me that question? Okay, all right. And he goes, we did it because we want to win. And I said, okay, that's fair. But you didn't. This is one of those times where I think Fickle and Denbrock, I think they went a little bit too aggressive. They did. I really think they should have just gone quarterback under center and just push him as far as you can. I really think you could have maybe faked out the defense and gone a couple tight ends and a running back, tight ends on either side, have Ritter in the shotgun with a halfback next to him, and then all of a sudden you change the formation. Ritter goes under center. Two tight ends come in like this on either side of Ritter behind him, and then Jerome Ford in the middle behind Ritter, behind the tight ends, like they did against UCF to get the first down. Yeah. You scare the heck out of the defense and you confuse them. Reminds me of a play the Bengals ran years ago. They were going to run shotgun, and then Andy, like, at the last second, goes up to the line. They snap it really quickly, and he just, like, plows his way right behind the center who's, you know, paving the way for him, and he gets a five-yard touchdown run. And there you go. Okay. You You could have just, even if you don't get the first down, you still ran the ball. You're still draining time. I would have rather you taken a freaking knee than throwing the ball, if I'm being honest. I would have rather you just taken a knee than throw the ball. That was stupid. So I really disagree with Fickle there. I get you want to win. But situationally, that play makes no sense. Had it been like the third quarter or something, after the Jerome Ford touch, okay, fine. It's the third quarter. I mean, every play, every on, play yeah. counts. Momentum was on your side then. I would have under- right. totally understood it then. That would have made perfect sense. But in this situation, it doesn't make any sense to throw the ball. It doesn't. Mm-hmm. You're 50-50-ing a ball. Now, the Georgia defender had a great play. He made a great play and deflected the ball away. But we could have made a better play. So. Even like a... Pitch. If you're struggling to run the ball up the middle, which Luke Fickle admitted that they were, try a pitch to the outside. Yeah, you might lose five yards, but the clock runs. Well, but you can't go out of bounds, though. That's the problem. Yeah, but I think we were... I think the players were aware. I guess. I mean, I would hope they would be. Apparently some of our players weren't aware not to target people. But anyway. um, So that's really all I've got to say. I mean, that should have been a win... That should have been the cap off to this season. But alas, you can't have nice things in Cincinnati. I mean, we got the American yeah. Athletic Conference Championship, at yeah, least. Sure, okay. I understand. <laughs> but. The Sausage Coney's at Skyline this week. You can't win important games in Cincinnati, is my point. We won the AAC Championship. That's what I said. I said we do have the American Athletic Conference Championship. Yeah. There is that. But God forbid can't win the freaking Peach Bowl because... I know. I'm just saying. There is a fine line between 
being aggressive and being smart. Agreed. And the Bearcats did not they 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 did not establish a fine line of those two um what's the word I'm looking for? Of those two I don't want to say styles, but like you know what I mean? They didn't I don't know est- styles of play. They didn't establish, yeah, they didn't establish a fine line between those two styles of play. I well, I think they had to be aggressive in this game. But you think about I'm thinking and I and I started thinking about this in the the day after. Do you remember when we played Memphis? And it was 42 to 10. Most teams are probably taking a knee in that situation. Mm-hmm. We were still playing like it was 0-0. Right. And Jerome Ford had that cannon touch, uh, shot out of a cannon touchdown. Yeah. And then against ECU, we were still going hard despite having the game won in the second quarter. You had Cameron f- Young goes 75 yards. You also had the fake punt. Yes. For Joel DeBlanco. The fake punt. And the score at that point was like 42 to 17 or maybe 42 to 10. Yeah. Oh, the ECU was. Yeah, they were mad. They were. <laughs> you you want you want you're mad. You should have stopped it, because the Bearcats established throughout the season that they were going to be aggressive, no matter what the score was. Uh, it's been that way since Fickle's gotten here. Yeah, and to their credit, they have, and they were against Georgia. And then Luke Fickle, another thing that he said: Yes, they were trying to win the game. Yeah, they were. Then he said um, that they didn't feel like they could have, you know, they they were not running the football effectively, which they weren't. I will, I, I totally agree with oh, you. You can't on that. disagree with that. I mean, yes. you had under a hundred yards. Rushing. But again, you can't abandon it. No. For un for you know uh, illogical aggressiveness. Yeah, and how many three and outs? Straight three and outs did the Bearcats have in the third and fourth quarter? Um, That's a stat that I've been curious about. Because I swear, they had like four or five in a row where it was three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out, three and out. One, two. They only had two, actually. In a row? We'll keep going. How many more did they have? Uh, Well, after the touchdown, they had one, two, three, four, five punts. They had three three and outs. Yep. Only two, though, in a row at one time. That's not going to cut it. And... The other the other possessions ended with a fumble and then that really bizarro safety, which really didn't. That's another thing I wanted to talk about in my rant really quickly. And Lorenz Metz. Like I said before, oh Lorenz Metz, I was a huge fan of him before he became a starter. I was like, again, this guy's 6'9", he's over 300 pounds. It would make perfect sense to play a good this story. guy on the offensive line. It was. And he was, a tra- he was from Germany and everything. And I'm like, yeah. You should like that, ha- having some German heritage in your family. And taking German for five years. But also, <laughs> how was that? That was pretty great, actually. Oh. Except for the college part. High school was better. Um, right. Anyway, Lorenz Metz, God, he probably accounted for 20 yards of penalties. The man can't n- And 20 count. yards of sacks. The, yeah, that too. That safety at the end of the game was his fault. It was. It was Lorenz Metz's fault. Even when you... Have the slightest bit of hope. Lorenz Metz goes, no. How many short yardage situations did we have where Lorenz Metz just false started? Probably two or three. Yeah. 
That's a lot. That is inexcusable. You can't do that. How do you not know the snap count? How do you mess it up that bad? And then you give up a safety on the very final play of the end, uh, at, uh, at the end of the game. I mean, seriously. Come on, man. You gotta be kidding me. But, anywho. In other news, though, Marcus Freeman is gone. I'm sure all of you have seen that by now. He is. That at, wasn't unexpected. It was not unexpected, and that really sucks because I was really hoping that he would stay. I had high hopes, um, but I wasn't totally shocked. I was just extremely disappointed uh, that he left. Took off to Notre Dame. Notre Dame, rather, to of all join, places. Yeah, really, to join. Brian Kelly, a former UC head coach, and Mike Mickens, a former player and uh, I don't know how many Corners. years he coached here, but a pretty pretty, pretty long time, I mean, at least since my freshman year. And he was the corners coach. And, uh, man, it's, it's just weird. I thought he was going to go to LSU, if anywhere. I thought he was going to join Ed Orgeron. But I guess he saw the success I mean, at Notre Dame. That would have been a... A monumental uh, change of, you know, scenery. Yeah, really would have. I mean, you talk about going from the Midwest to the Southeast. Yeah, that's a huge uh, move for you and your family, too. completely different brands of football. Yeah. And lifestyle. Yeah. But uh, not only that, uh, the running backs coach left. Um, Dan Enos. Yeah, Dan Enos. Thank you. I I kept saying Perry Eliano, but he's the... um, He's the oh, he's back. Yeah, he's he back. He was a really good, great addition to coaching staff. I like him a lot. Dan Enos left, and he went to Maryland, of all places. Um, he's now going to be their offensive coordinator. He will be the offensive coordinator. Uh, Mike Denbrock is inter- interviewing for a job at Vandy. Doesn't mean he's going to take it. Uh, we why would you have take to. That? Yeah, why would you want to go to Vanderbilt, really? What, what, other than money, what reason do you have to go to Vanderbilt? Do you want to do you want to join a team that has PR stunts for fun and doesn't win games? Do you really want to do that? Do you want to go to a baseball school, Mike Denbrock? Not even a basketball school because their basketball programs in shambles as well. Yeah, I mean, well, like you know what? I re- if Mike Denbrock leaves, I'm not even going to be mad about it. I'm really not. Yeah, but then who do you? Oh, oh, oh uh, yeah, not my bad. I know who you want to be your offensive coordinator if Denbrock yeah. leaves. That's that's where I was going to go next. I've been saying this to you, Alex, for maybe a year now, I think. I think last year was when I first brought up this idea. Yeah, you did, and I thought, and, and I understood you, but I thought you were a little too harsh. Mm-hmm. You think I'm too harsh now? No, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. Thank you. And I am all for Gino Gadouli. UC Offensive Coordinator 2021. All for it. I've been for it for about a year now. It's pretty simple. Gino Gadugli is the best UC quarterback that's ever played. You can't argue that. Man has the <clears> most <throat> passing yards. Almost beat Ohio State. He had a great career here at UC. Now, I don't think he went on to I think he went on to play for like a year or two in the NFL, maybe not very long. Um so but nonetheless, he's been a great 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 quarterback's coach. He's an incredible recruiter. He's been nothing but a huge addition to the staff. We're glad to have him. We love Gino. I would love it so much if he was the offensive coordinator because he's a he was a quarterback 
and he's the quarterback's coach. I think it would only make sense for a quarterback, a former quarterback, the best one in school history, and the coach of the quarterbacks, to run the offense. I think that, I think that helps out Desmond Ritter. And I think that helps out the entire offense. And Ritter is going to be, I mean, he's going to have incredible potential coming into the season. Oh, the expectations are going to be higher than ever I for mean, He's going to be preseason player of the year, if there is a such thing, which I think there is in the conference. I couldn't tell you. Or at no least idea. preseason first team. He was player of the year this year. He was rookie player of the year his first year. Well, I should say his, his uh, redshirt freshman year. His first year was technically 2017. But again, he redshirted. I mean, he's gonna. I mean, if he has the kind of season that he had this year, next year, he could end up with ten thousand yards, passing. Maybe. Well, I don't know. He didn't even have two thousand. I doubt that. Ritter, Ritter ain't that great of a passer. And and there's another thing about he Ritter. He got better. He got better, but he, he still can't. Three, he couldn't complete passes out into the flat. He had three straight three hundred yard games before the Peach Bowl. Three That's straight. That's fair. And before that, he had a two seventy six game against Memphis. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm real. I'm sorry. You, for whatever reason, I was thinking ten thousand yards in a season. I'm like, that's not possible. No. I knew. Well, I knew for is. some reason that sounded funny in my head, but for his career. For his career, where's he at now? Do you know? Just shy of seven thousand, or he's right. He's at around seven thousand. Yeah, he's not going to make it to. He's got twelve games next year. Yeah, well, maybe potentially more than that. a thirteenth or fourteenth. Yeah. We'll see. Well, actually, I mean, if you make it to 13, then you've made it to 14, so. But anywho, I digress. Uh, yeah, I mean, they're talking about Ritter being an NFL prospect. People were so happy when he came back. I was too. But I wasn't I wasn't surprised, even in the slightest. I'm like, why Why would he leave? What, what, about, what draft stock does he have? And I, think he, I, I think because of how he finished the season, there was so much hype. Maybe it's there's not. There's hype, but there's not draft stock. Exactly. There's a difference between hype and stock. Stock is what ultimately determines your prospects. Right. He didn't have any. No, he didn't have any. So he, what, he needs to be a better passer. What was your reaction when Sanders and Brooks and Van and all those guys decided they were coming back? I was happy about that. I, mean, team, I was really happy about my Jay Sanders our, and Darian Beavers. Our defense next year is going to be incredible. Yeah. I mean, you're going to have Kobe Bryant's coming back. Yeah, Sauce. that shocked me the most. Yes, Sauce Gardner is going to be back. He would. He wasn't going anywhere. Brian Cook's going to be here. Javon Hicks will be here. Yeah. Um, Derek Forrest is gone. He's going to the NFL draft. That's going to be a big loss. Arquan Bush will be here. Not really a huge fan of Arquan. I thought he did not. Really, I like Arquan Bush. I didn't think he had a great game against Georgia. My, well, you remember the remember his freshman year against ECU? He had like four turnovers in that game. I do remember that. He had a pick six. That game was a blowout. That was also where James Wiggins got targeting. And then uh, next game after that was um, the military bowl. And then he had the game-saving interception. Yes, he did. But, uh, yeah. Did you, know, did you know that this is, this is only the second time that the Bearcats have lost a game under Luke Fickle when leading at the half? Let me guess the other one. Oh, it was Memphis. It was uh, the American Athletic Conference yes. game. Yeah. This is also the first time that they've lost a game when leading by 10 or more in the second half under Luke Fickle. Hmm. So what Luke Fickle has done, though, 
despite all the madness that we have of, of, of this being a game that, yes, the Bearcats should have won. Mm-hmm. You could acknowledge that Luke Fickle has built this program to such a level that when they lose, it is a big deal. Because losing has not occurred very often the previous three years. In the last three years, the Bearcats have won 31 games. And they've lost six. Mm-hmm. They're 31-6 and six in their last three years. And the game year before that, he was 4-8. and eight. Exactly. Imagine if Tommy Tuberville had actually recruited in the city of Cincinnati. Hmm. Yeah. So, and it's like men's basketball. I remember... Remember your freshman year, my sophomore year, we lose to Houston at home. Yep, I remember that. And it was such a big deal because we don't lose we don't lose at home. We don't lose by sixteen at home. And we quite frankly don't lose very often. No. I think the only time we lost at home that year was Ohio State. Yeah. That was it. That was it. We don't lose very often at home. No. Except for this year. Because Mick Cronin in his thirteen years built that program to such a level that they weren't going to lose at home. Now, I think also when you play in the American Athletic Conference, which was a step down from the Big East. Oh, yeah, no doubt. There's more. There's a greater opportunity for you to go undefeated at home. And the Bearcats did it, did that in the 16-17 um, season, and quite frankly should have done it in the 17-18 season. Yeah. So that's what Luke, Luke Fickle has... I mean, you realize they have not lost a home game since November 10th, 2017. That was my senior year of high school. Exactly. I remember the first time they won that first of 20 games. It was, the, it was a... It was UConn. Yeah, pff, UConn. That game was lost because he shanked an extra point. And because they were going to go for two. Well, I say shanked as if he badly missed it. He just barely missed it. They were going to go for two, but then there was a penalty, so it pushed him back 15 yards. So they decided to just kick the extra point, and he missed it. I think he missed it wide left. Yes. And there was, like, nobody there that game. <laughs> there was now nobody he, at the ECU game. I'm telling you right now. And good Lord willing that everything's fine in September. I mean, Nippert's team's going to be packed. Are we not going to have a game in August? There isn't. There is not a game in August. Oh, really? That's a weird. The one. season starts in September. Oh. Huh. And That's you think strange. about. And you think about. I mean, when UCF comes in here, it's going to be huge. That place is going to be rocking. Yeah. Who else we got coming in this year? I can't remember the schedule. Uh, well, we haven't seen the full schedule yet. We so. Well, we know who we're playing. We just don't know. Uh, when we're playing whom. Yeah. I would love it if we played UCF in November. In play in the cold? Yeah, in 20-degree weather. Yeah, that'd be fun. Yeah. Well, be fun for, yeah. Yeah, we just make them freeze their butts off. That'd be fun. Uh, who else? I think Western Michigan comes here. It's No, it's Miami, Ohio. It's actually a weak non-conference schedule next year. No, I'm sorry. It's not a weak non-conference schedule. Why did I say that? In terms of... Who we have coming here? It's Miami, Ohio, and Murray State. Okay, that's right. Yeah, but then Murray. we go to Indiana. Ah, yeah. And then and we go. That yeah. Granddaddy of them all. Not the Rose Granddaddy Bowl. Granddaddy of them all. Not the Rose. You're Bowl. calling Notre Dame that? Uh, it's the biggest game we've played in a, since. I mean, well, since Georgia, but it's a huge game in terms of the regular season. It is the biggest game since. In terms of the opponent. In terms of in terms of the opponent and where they could be ranked pre Peach Bowl, it would probably be. Oh gosh, who would it be? Maybe Houston, in Nippert. But they're not a brand name that football or Ohio team. Ohio State. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ohio, no, Ohio State because they were 
I'm no, sorry. They were fifth in the country. How did I forget about that game? My God. Well, you want to forget about that game. Yeah. They had so, a great breakfast. All right, there. so they did. Let me ask you this, though. Okay. After watching us in the Peach Bowl and really the last three years, and knowing the if we were to win the marquee games on our schedule next year, finish 12-0, win the AAC championship. God, that'd be a Are we game. deserving to possibly be in the college football playoff? If you beat Notre Dame, yeah. If you beat Indiana on the road, yeah. Why not? If you if you win those two games and you go and you go undefeated, that would be a fever dream, by the way. Uh, if you manage to pull that off, somehow, you go and take on Marcus Freeman's defense, the guy who you know kind of ran this program under Luke Fickle. If you manage to win on the road at Indiana and at Notre Dame, and you go undefeated in non-conference conference, win the conference championship. Yes. 110%. There, but is, there is no argument against that. But unfortunately, because we played the American Athletic Conference, which does not get a good rap, or wrath, whatever the word is. Rap. Rap, excuse me. I don't know. No, I, I agree I, with you we should be. I would take an undefeated Cincinnati team next season over a one-loss Ohio State team. It just it, it, if it comes down to that, it boggles my mind though that because then you have non-conference and what's Ohio State's non-conference schedule look like? Probably, probably bad. Well, who do they maybe play? Like since one you, since you brought it up, because what Indiana is going to be ranked? Well, hopefully by the time we play Ohio them. State, which by the way they were clearly not prepared for Monday night against Alabama. Yeah, I knew they. Clemson would have given them. A I knew they were going to lose. I didn't know it was going to be so that Ohio bad. So Ohio State, Ohio State. Here's their non-conference. Here's their. Uh, they have three non-conference games. Excuse me. They're all at home. They host Oregon. Oh, so they don't even travel on the road. <laughs> no, they don't travel on the road in non-conference. They host Oregon. I will give them that. That's a marquee game. But and honestly, Oregon, unless if Oregon goes on to suck, which they could. What's the thing about Oregon? Like they went four and three this year, and they weren't really that good. No, they weren't. The Pac-12 just sucks. I know. They play Oregon at home, Tulsa at home. If Tulsa wins, that helps us. Oh, that'd be huge. Tulsa comes here, by the way, next year. That'll be a good game. And then they play a team called the Akron Zips at oh. home. You remember when they played the the Toledo Rockets? Back in like 20, 2012 or something like that. And they almost lost? Yeah. Was it they... 2012? I don't know if it was 2012. I can't remember. That was almost the first time that Ohio State had lost to an interstate team in I remember, a long time. I remember when Ohio State... I remember they barely beat OU in week two of 2008. I don't then, remember that And then game. they go on the road and get spanked by USC. I mean spanked. 35-3. to three. Back when USC was actually a... Uh... Back when Pete Carroll was the head coach and their quarterback was... Was that John David Booty? Oh, no. It was Mark Sanchez. Excuse me. <laughs> Mark Sanchez. Excuse me. Yeah. Oh, they good old butt fumble, had, man. They also had Ray Maluga on that team. Did they really? Then they did. Huh. How about that? He was an okay linebacker here for the Bengals. Wasn't a huge fan of him. But, yes. This is why the college football... Like, college football is so it's the tradition and the pageantry and 
the rivalries, that they're all great. I'm not going to deny that. But the system for determining a national champion and the postseason is just, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. It should not be the way it is. Like, if if a fourteen playoff, oh, it gives everybody a chance. No, it doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't even give. It doesn't even stop give, kidding yourself. It doesn't even give the power five, all of the power five conferences a chance. No, because one conference every year is going to be left out. Heck, this year two conferences were left out. Yep. What what they need is all ten conferences deserve a chance to have at least one team compete for the national championship. We were saying. That make the playoffs in the at college football at the FBS like the FCS. Now they do it. Remember that when when we talked about that in our last show. Yeah, when I brought that up. Yeah, I I because I at the time I was I I didn't know exactly how many numbers there was, so I had to look it up on on the air. Um, it's a twenty fourteen playoff. Um, no. It's a twenty fourteen playoff, and the top eight teams get a first round bye, and then the other sixteen teams duke it out in the first round. And then, I don't know how the seeding works from there, but then those teams go on to face the other eight teams, and then eventually you have a national yeah. champion. And they still play 12 regular season games. And by the, by the way, what's the deal with having like 40-somewhat bowl games? They don't need to be there. No, you really if you want to keep if you want to keep your your height your if, 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 it's TV deals. It's uh, it's you know. But the Montgomery Bowl. The Birmingham Bowl. The Myrtle Beach. I mean, hey, I, I mean, I'd mean, i love to go to Myrtle okay. Beach. Chair, Bundy, Cherry, Tart, Boca Raton Bowl. Greatest name of a bowl game ever. Yeah, but we don't need that. Sorry. I like it, though. Oh, oh, sorry. It doesn't need to be in existence. I love bowl season, though, frankly. I don't care what bowl. It, it, is, a, it is fun. Because it is a special time of year, let me tell you. When bowl season kicks yeah. off, woo, that is a fun time because it's Christmas. You're at home. Drinking eggnog or whatever the heck it is that you drink. <laughs> I drink eggnog. Bourbon. Or maybe you mix the two. That would sound good. Ooh. But. Ooh, that does sound good. Next Christmas, I'm going to try that. Try eggnog first. I've never, I've never had eggnog. Well, try that first. But. Coming up on. It's, it's just because it's nonstop college football basically day after day. And yeah, it's 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 meaningless bowl games. It's it's boring missed, teams. I did kind of miss that this year. I did. I missed that a lot. You know how many bowl games I watched this year? I watched like three. The Peach Bowl. Peach Bowl. I watched. Uh, watched I, I didn't even watch the BYU UCF game. I was going to watch that game, and I never did. And you did you watch the Rose and Sugar Bowls? Yeah. Okay. So that was those were the only three bowl games you watched, I believe. Wow. I can't think of any more. Did you even watch? Uh, well, I watched a bit of the Fiesta Bowl. A bit. That was a blowout. I did watch a little bit of the Orange Bowl. Uh, I didn't watch a single second of the Orange Bowl. Eh. I was too busy having fun that night. But anywho, so was I. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't. I didn't watch any bowl games this year. It. It. It, it didn't. It wasn't a regular college football season. It wasn't. And it's also not a regular college basketball season. I, I didn't get the same. Yeah, that too. I didn't get the same vibe from football this year for a lot of reasons. I mean, I didn't. It wasn't a normal year at all, regardless of football. It was a normal. It was a totally abnormal year. It, it was weird throughout the season. I'm like, it's football season. Why am I not excited? Why am I not happy? And I'm because like, you understand that it can be upended or derailed at any point. Yeah, that too. It was just teetering on the edge of disaster. And I mean, the Bearcats didn't play for a month at one point. That was terrible. That it, sucked. It had two games canceled. Yeah, that was awful. Well, actually, wait. 
They had one game postponed and then one game canceled, right? And they were both Tulsa. They, Tulsa was postponed originally, and then it was can, and then it was moved again. Then they ultimately canceled that. Yeah. And it was just. I mean, it was just. It was terrible. Such a wacko season, and yeah, you know, it started late, and uh, and there weren't fans in the stands for all regular season home games. It was just not. It was off. No, that, that 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 should not take away the fun that this season was. No, no, no. We were there. I'll tip. Yeah, we were there. That was great. That was awesome. I'm glad I got to do that. I mean, it was. I would have lost my marbles if I didn't. <laughs> I think I would have too. Um, so we're coming up on sixty minutes here. We're gonna. I think do a two-part showdown. Yeah, we'll, we'll do the next part over over basketball. Um, any other doesn't any other thoughts you want to throw in um, there about the football? I first of all, I want to tip my cap to people who made this football season possible. Uh, not the NCAA. Um, yeah, not not them. I don't like them. But anybody who was able to make it make it possible. The I American mean, Athletic Conference was hell bent on playing. Yeah, and good for them, really. I mean. You know, not the Big Ten, not the Pac-12. If you think those are good conferences, you're lying to yourself. Um, they tried to trend set, and they didn't. And uh, it was laughably funny. It was laughably bad. American was like, hey, we're playing. I don't know about you guys. It sucked that there was no non-conference. That really sucked. We got... Well, we had Austin Peay, but that's it. And Army. Army. And Army. And Army. And Army. But... It was, I mean, it wasn't your normal season. No. Who it, was Who was part of the, I'm sorry to interrupt again. Who was part of the original non-conference schedule? Uh, Austin P. Western Michigan, Miami, Ohio, and Nebraska. Okay. Nebraska. Oh, my God. I wanted to go to that so bad. That Anywho. Been, that would have been a nice trip. You were going to say something. I was just going to say, it wasn't, it wasn't your normal season, but at the same time, to have been there and to watch this team play and develop throughout the season, that was fun. And as much as it wasn't normal and as much as, you know, there was anxiety of whether the game was going to happen or just, you know, you couldn't get overly excited because, you know, and this is what COVID does. It it is literally trumped everyday life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We're getting to the end. I, we can start to see the light at the end of the yeah, tunnel. Yeah, and it just just get through this basketball season. Like, I... I, I I'm just ready for March Madness. <laughs> I'm not even ready for that because I don't like how they're going to do that. Yeah. More on that coming up on segment two. Be back for part two.